Good morning, everyone. It is good to see each and every one of you here today. Um, you know, all of the year is wonderful and special. Sometimes the community gets very small and intimate, and other times it starts sort of going like this. And, and I enjoy the small and intimate, and I enjoy the growing as people find their way back in. And I hope that, uh, I hope if you are here for part of the year and you just kind of just landed again, that you are enjoying the weather we're having, um, whether or not that included snow since you got back, uh, but it's, it's good to have each and every one of you here. We have a, well, you know, no matter how much you say that you don't really do ritual, you do ritual. That's just all there is to it. If your ritual is getting up in the morning and pushing the button on the coffee maker and brushing your teeth or whatever, you do ritual. And one of the things that we do here as part of our Sunday gathering every week is focus on and affirm the truth of really, truly what we are. Not who we are. The who we are changes from moment to moment, from day to day. Once upon a time we were all toddlers learning to walk. Once upon a time we were all like really, really excited that we mastered the tricycle. You know, that was a big accomplishment. And we somehow keep raising the bar on what it takes to be good enough. At once upon a time, really face it, really, weren't you like excited the first time you got on that tricycle and like mom and dad were in the background? That was a big day. And now we seem to kind of sometimes think that unless we're meeting this high bar up here, that we're somehow not good enough. But the facts of us will always change. One day we were newborns, one day we were mastering the tricycle, uh, one day we jumped into a swimming pool, maybe even the deep end. Oh my gosh. But the truth of what we are has never changed and will never change. The only thing that changes in that is how we relate to that truth of what we are. And sometimes it's hard for us to really feel comfortable aligning around the fact and the truth where the two come together that we are spirit expressing at the point we are. So this is one place, no matter what the rest of your life looks like, no matter who the people are in your life elsewhere, in this space we affirm together the truth of what we are that is eternal, that never changes. And so I'm going to invite you each, if you will, and if this is the first time you've been here and you've kind of read through that and gone, I don't know that I'm really comfortable saying that yet, that's okay. You can just sit there. It's perfectly all right. Uh, This is something that we do to establish a baseline, not a bar to live up to, but a baseline of truth. Speak with me. Releasing the things that are behind, I realize I am strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. I am the infinite, expressing at the point I am. I am peace in the midst of all matters. And we know that is the truth, and so it is. Amen. Even in weeks when it does not feel like it, 
even in moments when it does not feel like it. As humans, we're all over the place as humans. As humans, we are always in some sort of state of, I don't really want to say some sort of state of confusion, but it kind of is. When we're in our human, when we're in our human minds, sometimes we'll just get ourselves all centered and grounded, and then the phone rings, and it's another one of those phone calls. Or we're all having a good morning, it's just been so nice and peaceful, and then we get in traffic and find out that the freeway's backed up for three hours. Things in the human world will always be present to allow us to choose peace or to choose that which is not peaceful. So the reason that we ground ourselves in the truth of what we are every week is so that when we find ourselves spiraling around perhaps thoughts of lack, perhaps thoughts of limitation, victimhood, not enoughness, that we can, we can catch ourselves and we can go, wait, stop. This is not the truth of me. This emotion, this moment, this feeling is an accurate portrayal of the human aspect of my life. And we do not deny our, our feelings. We don't, we don't go around just saying, oh, I'm fine, when we're really gritting our teeth. We do, but that's not really what is required of us in a community like this. In a community like this, we are allowed to say, you know, that human part of my life right now is sort of out of control, overwhelming, and chaotic. And I know that I am strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. And I know that I am capable of doing what I need to do. So it's helpful. It's helpful because so many of us have have absorbed from the very beginning of our lives from various sources, not necessarily our parents, but you know, sometimes our parents' voices are in there. And our parents' major job If you really think about it, and for those of us who have been parents, we live most of our lives when we're actively parenting kind of in a state of, please don't let anything horrible happen on my watch. Please, let's keep this creature safe. Let's make sure it doesn't hurt itself too badly. For goodness sake, I want to send it out into the world knowing all of the dangers because I don't want... I don't want to feel that because I did not tell them to be concerned about something that they were hurt from that. And of course, we know we're doing it from love. We know that we're doing it truly from a state of, here's this little creature that has come through me to raise and to grow into the kind of an adult that we all want to be. But sometimes we are overzealous in our fears. Sometimes we are overzealous in telling these little ones what to worry about and what not to worry about. And so sometimes we have absorbed messages of fear and lack and worry that really don't help us. 
And so when we come together and we affirm a truth like this, a truth of what we actually are, this is a little bit of counter-programming. A little bit of counter-programming. So that when we have those moments of chaos or overwhelm, we can acknowledge, you know, in this moment, in this moment, my humanity is not expressing very well. But in this moment, I also know that within me is that voice of peace is the option for allowing myself to rest and to be still and to know exactly what to do. So we take these words with us as we go. For this, these first few weeks of the new year, and Ernie, if you could do the next slide, please, we are focusing on what is it really that unity and new thought teaches A lot of us have had the experience of being asked by family or friends, well, what really is that church that you go to anyway? What is that thing? Or, even worse, they may have looked up on the Internet and found us on one or more cultish watch lists. Um, That was a real shocker to me when I was first new in Unity and found out how many places seemed to really fear us and why. And my response, and I think anybody else who's ever, who has been in unity for more than about a day and a half, um, or any new thought faith, I, I always kind of have to laugh and think, wow, if we're a cult, we're a really bad one. <laughs> we're a really, really bad cult. We, we don't tell you it's a sin not to come to church on Sunday. We don't tell you you're going to go to hell if you don't tithe 10% of your income. We don't even really beat you up too much if you're amazingly late to something because that's just how the day unfolded for you that day. So I kind of look at things like that and I think, what is it they're really afraid of? What is it that really, really instills fear? And for me, the response comes because we teach freedom. We teach freedom of thought. We teach freedom of behavior. We teach the freedom to know that, yes, we have to play by certain rules as humans and that our ability to function in this world of humanity is only enhanced by knowing the truth of what we are. And so... We have five basic principles in unity as they're outlined. And really they're actually kind of like four principles, actually kind of two principles and three pra- two practices and an action step, but we just call them the five principles. Last week we talked about one power, one presence. Most of you have at some point, if you, if, unless this is your first visit to a New Thought Center, you have probably heard a phrase something along the lines of, there is one power, one presence active in my life, God the good omnipotent. And this is indeed our, our foundation. We do not believe that that thing that we refer to as one power, one presence is an anthropomorphic humanoid being. We don't believe that there is an external deity up in the sky or someplace that we have to pray to and somehow satisfy. We believe that there is principle. There is a principle of life. There is a principle that is life, that is love, that is wholeness, 
that is all good without opposite. That principle is creative. That that principle that is sometimes called God, sometimes called divine mind or Buddha mind, sometimes we call it the universe, sometimes we call it spirit, it goes by all those names and many, many more. And we believe that we all exist within that. And moving into our second one, which is what I'll be focusing on today, not only is there only one power, one presence active in the universe, but we are expressions of that. That we are not separate. We are that eternal life, that eternal love, that eternal goodness expressing uniquely and individually at the point of each and every one of us. Just as that which may be called God is seen expressing as mountains, as oceans, as the animals, as nature, it also expresses as us. And we are that. Next slide, please. One of, we, we don't normally focus on differences in, in unity. We generally focus on what we have in common with other faith traditions. But there are two areas that we really do differ. And so if this is the first time you've heard either of these things, I, I hope you will take a deep breath and breathe through it and open, be open and receptive to what is actually being said and not perhaps a reaction to an embedded theology that lives within you. The two areas that we do differ from traditional mainline religion, Christianity especially, is that we do not believe that original sin exists. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And, and the reason for that is, it's an impossibility. It is impossible for us to originate in sin if God is good without opposite. If we are indeed expressions of and created biblically in the image and likeness of, how could we be anything other than what God is? You know, the examples that are given, you know, peach trees do not have apples growing on them. Orange trees do not create apples. We do not see in any instance, unless man has interfered, you know, scientifically now we've gotten pretty good at doing some odd things, but unless humans have interfered, nothing that gives birth to or gives rise to or originates something else does it and has a different result other than what it is. Gorilla parents have gorilla babies. Human parents have human babies. Dog parents have puppies. And if we are made in the image and likeness of God... And if we know or if we have been taught that God is good, that God is love, that God is peace, 
that divine mind is infinite wisdom, if that is what our source is, how could we possibly be here through some weird thing of original sin? It's an absolute impossibility as far as, as far as we believe and as far as the logic that works in most New Thought folks' minds go. If the infinite that we call God is our source, at our essence we must also be that, and that is good. The other thing that I don't have a slide on, but since I mentioned there too, I'm just going to mention, and this is where some of you may, may need to again take a deep breath, um, you know, while we do indeed honor Jesus the Christ as one of the, one of the ultimate masters of teaching about spirit, we do not consider Jesus to be an external savior that was one exceptional divine being sent by that anthropomorphic God to, quote, save us. If we are not born in original sin, guess what? We don't need to be saved. We do not need to be saved. Now you will actually, some people are surprised when they take a unity class to find that we actually do have a teaching around Jesus as Savior. And we're really just comparing that in a sense of a teacher saves us from ignorance. Someone who has walked a path that allows us to see perhaps a more optimal way of being. We believe that Jesus was born and lived a completely human life just like every single one of us. We also believe that Jesus was divine and lived a completely divine life just like every one of us. Fully human, fully divine. It's not a 50-50 deal. It's not a sometimes one, sometimes the other. Now our behavior reflects one sometimes more than the other. But the fact and the truth is that we believe that we are just as divine as Jesus was and he said so. He told us that. He's, he made several comments. Do you not? Is it not written in your scriptures that ye are gods? That those who come after and do the things that I teach and that they who believe will not only do what I do but even more. So we don't believe that Jesus is a great exception. We don't worship Jesus. We honor, we honor Jesus as one who did a really, really, really good job of navigating the human life from a divine awareness. One of our, one of our unity teachers, Eric Butterworth, made the point that we could think of ourselves as waves in the ocean. And perhaps, you know, perhaps the waves look separate from one another. And certainly if you're at the beach, you know, the waves roll in one after the other after the other. And they're all slightly different. The timing is a little different. Some are higher, some are lower. But they're all part of the same ocean. There's no line where this ocean starts and this, where the ocean stops and this wave begins. 
And we might even look at that in a more contemporary version. Some of you, you know, some of you know I grew up in Southern California, and I have a real affinity for waves and surfing and all of that kind of stuff that involves the ocean. And there's a there's a surfer uh, who surfs like hundred foot waves, and I just I love to watch him. Unity Magazine actually published an article by him several years ago, and his name is Laird Hamilton, and he talks about how if there is ever an activity that will guarantee that you will stay in the moment, (laughs) it is surfing. And that if, especially if you are in one of these hundred-foot monsters, just think of that. Think of the size of a human. And then how many humans does it take to make 100 feet? And he is on that, riding that wave. Well, if we want to look at that metaphor in terms of us expressing the infinite, expressing God, expressing the universe, perhaps Jesus expressed at the level of one of those 100-foot waves. Perhaps some of us are around, you know, the 5- to 10-foot waves, And, you know, there's times in our lives, I always tease my sister when I go to Michigan because we'll go and we'll watch the boats along on the lake. And some of those waves almost make it to the seagull's knees. And so sometimes that's our ability to express our divinity. It's just that much. But sometimes we are able to actually remember our truth. No that we are good, that we are God, that we are peace expressing at the point we are and know that we are just as infinite and filled with possibility and potential as Jesus was. And so this is where we have to start shifting our thinking. This is one of those areas, the fact that we are original good, that, that we are good without opposite, Sometimes it's really hard for us to really integrate into our thinking, especially if we grew up in a faith tradition or with parents or other people in our lives who continually told us that we weren't good enough. Now, I am actually a big believer in good enough, um, but, but it has a very specific meaning to me. Good enough to me means that whatever it is that I've had to do, I have done it, I have met all the criteria, it is perfectly fine, and that if I keep trying to make it better, I'm just going to be wasting my time and energy. You know, and you've probably all done that. I really got that lesson. Sometimes people ask why we don't have weekly bulletins here. Here is what, and, and periodically it's relevant, so I explain. You know, most churches you walk in, they hand you that bulletin every week. Well, I, I was the bulletin maker. I probably would still be the bulletin maker if we had them. And I realized one, one Saturday, and I'm not exaggerating, I spent over six and a half hours trying to make the bulletin absolutely perfect. And I realized when I was still dissatisfied with it that I was wasting hours and hours and hours of my life on a piece of paper that probably 90% of you would look at 
and toss and never look at again. Some of you are actually schedule followers, so you would actually engage with it for the week. And maybe there would be one or two people once in a while who would actually take it home because maybe there was an event or a quote or something. But basically, I had spent an entire day of my life on a piece of paper that was strictly going to be tossed away in less than an hour. And I realized in that moment that did not make sense. I had other things to do. I had other things that would more express my divinity than sitting there in Photoshop at my computer trying to perfectly align every little letter. So that's why we don't have bulletins anymore. I printed that one. And the next day I told everybody they better look at it, they better enjoy it, they might even want to keep it because there weren't going to be any more ever again. (laughs) And you know what? That was at least 12 years ago. And it's never been a problem. So good enough means we've met what we need to do, but we haven't made ourselves crazy. And everybody else crazy. I would suspect that in that whole six and a half hours, my husband may have like wanted lunch may have wanted to engage with me at some point. There was none of that. No, I was busy on bulletins. So so good enough is fine in this material world as it serves us. But to feel our whole lives that we somehow have to be good enough to deserve our divinity is not helpful thinking. There's no way you can earn your divinity. There's no way that you can ever be good enough in a human sense to deserve or earn your, your divinity because you already are. It's like an Olympic medal standing there on the, on the, uh, an Olympic medal winner standing there on their little platforms with their gold medal going, but wait, I have to keep running, I have to keep running, I have to, no! You're there, you did it, you won. Put your hands up, take the applause, accept the medal, you are it. And we forget to do that in our own lives. We think, well, if only I would do this, or we beat ourselves up because we got angry at someone, or or we simply just feel like, you know, today I just don't feel like I have the divine within me. Well, sometimes you will have human days that will reflect that, but it does not change the truth which is you always have that divinity within you because that is what you are. We all know that as humans, there was a day before we were born. There was a day before we were conceived. And on that day, we did not exist as humans except in potential and possibility. And then there came a day that things changed. We were conceived. We We did what we needed to do before we were born. We popped into beingness and here we are. Here we all are. For that long. And at some point, there's going to be a day that we have popped out. But that doesn't mean that the divine within us comes and goes. It means that that divinity, that one presence, that one power, the eternal life that is God, it means that that has expressed as you for a while. And when that time is done, 
it will express with you in some other manner. And again, if we want to get biblical on it, Jesus' words as they're recorded, we don't know what he said. There was nobody taking notes. There was nobody making a transcript. Nobody had phones, taking pictures. We have no nothing other than the stories that have been told over and over and over and over until they were written down. The story that is written down says that he told us at some point that in the Father's home there are many mansions. And we take that to mean that in that one power, one presence, that spirit that is life, that within that there are many possibilities. There are infinite potentials. And now in this moment, we are expressing as humans. In this moment in time and space, we are gathered together in a room in proximity to each other. But in the infinite, we are not separate. We are not separate from one another. We are not separate from that that we call God. So as we have our time of quieting, I hope that you will allow this to be a time of really, really settling into the truth that God is not something external from you that you need to focus on externally. That God is what you are at your core, at your essence. And that means that just as God is good without opposite, just as that infinite realm of possibility and potential is everywhere present, that it is also present within you. And that you are one of the determining factors of what happens in this universe. And if we find ourselves tempted to feel less than or tempted to feel like somehow we have to be more or do more or have more, that I hope that this can be a time of touching that sense of enoughness that is within each and every one of us. So become comfortable in your seats. If you're holding anything in your lap, maybe, maybe that could be set down on the, t- on the floor for a while. Allow yourself a breath or two. And if you have anything weighing on your mind, any thoughts of fear, worry, lack, doubt, victimhood, let's do a little mind thought story here, a little thought experiment. And using your faculty of imagination, just imagine that there's a table over by the door and that that table can hold all of your thoughts of lack, worry, unease, everything that is not enough anything that may cause you to worry, anything that may feel overwhelming, in our imagination we simply pile all of that onto that table. And remember that in this moment, in this space, among these friends, we are free to simply be that which we are, strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. So as the next song plays, if you wish, sing along. And if you don't wish, or even if you are singing along, allow the words to be a reminder vibrating at the very depth of your beingness.
as we are in this space of stillness, we remember as well that it is through our thinking-feeling nature that we exercise our own creative potential. So we engage again our faculty of imagination. We're frequently told that yes, you probably do have a spark of the divine within you, but we know that that's only touching on the surface of things. This is not a spark within us, but this is the flame that gives us life. This flame is the light that guides us. This flame grows stronger and stronger within us, in our awareness. And we live our lives within it. And we recognize that this flame has no limits. So we allow the warmth of that flame of awareness of the Christedness within us to grow larger and larger and larger. And we can feel that light, that love, that guidance, that wisdom, that peace, the faith, the energy that is eternal within us. We can feel it radiating forth from the very center of our beingness and flowing from us to all of those around us. We can feel that energy radiating out and meeting the energy of those within this space. And we realize that together we are essence, spirit, truth, And we know that this room cannot contain the possibility and potential that that is. And so we allow this light, this energy, this love to radiate forth beyond the walls of this building, enveloping all of this area of the planet and moving on and on and on. We learn that there is no limit. It cannot be used up. And so in consciousness we enfold this entire planet in that healing light of the awareness of wholeness. And as big as this planet is, we know that it does not stop there. There is no end. There is no circumference to this circle of love, of light, of peace. And we just feel ourselves being that radiating goodness. Allowing ourselves to be the beacon on the hill, shining our light brightly for those who may not know. And yet seeing and feeling our light, they feel the light within them grow ever, ever brighter. And we know that this is what we are here for, to know this truth, to bring it forth in consciousness, to allow these thoughts of love and kindness and peace to germinate and to grow and to spread and to come into physical manifestation. 
creating our world. And to this we prepare to say Amen. We give thanks. We radiate that gratitude as a seal of approval and acceptance and willingness. We know that this is so. We know it within our hearts. We know it because we have been taught it. But mostly we know it because we are it. And so it is. We carry this flame forward in peace, in light, in love, and say Amen. And then we just allow ourselves to breathe that. One of our co-founders, Myrtle Fillmore, reminded us that when we allow ourselves to invest time in silence, that we need to allow ourselves to really sort of bask in that awareness Because we may think from a human standpoint, I was just only sitting in my chair. It doesn't really make a big difference. But every time that we really touch that core within us, we have allowed ourselves to expand in awareness just a little bit more. We have allowed ourselves actually to affect the collective consciousness of the whole human race. Not just even the whole human race, but the whole collective consciousness of this planet we call home. Co-founder Charles Fillmore taught us that the rocks have consciousness. The insects have consciousness. Everything is consciousness expressing. And so when we allow ourselves to invest time in stillness and really touch at core what we are, we have changed fundamentally the world in which we live. So allow yourselves to just kind of anchor this feeling within you. And as you go forth for the rest of your day today, whatever your evening holds for you, whatever the coming week holds, remember this and allow this to be an anchor for you. That no matter what else is happening, you are the presence of peace in the midst of everything. The challenge, of course, is remembering and doing. And in the next two or three weeks, we'll be getting more into some of the tools that we use to actually practice doing that and some of the ways that we can work in our day-to-day lives to actually allow ourselves to maybe, instead of being the wave that comes up to the seagull's knees, to maybe be the wave that is actually one of those magnificent giants that has all of that power, all of that potential. And to just begin imagining what it might look like if you expressed more of that on a day-to-day basis. Thank you all for being here. Um, I'm just going to say personally, I like needed to sit with all of you right now and be present here. And so I thank you very much for being here, for being present, and and for just sharing this day with all of us. So, So go forth. As as Paul Hasselbeck, one of our metaphysics teachers, says, be the best Christ you can be. Nobody can ask you any more, ask any more of that than just the best you can be. Thank you.